How much faith do I need to be saved? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hear of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of Scripture. I'm Brian DeBozik, and with me is Aaron Armstrong. Aaron, today we're talking about faith. and uh, I understand you got to have some. I, you know, you beat me to it. Uh, I, as, as, as a child of the 80s into the 90s, it's hard for me not to lapse into hearing that song. And we know that, you know, he is not the... Uh, the vocalist we want to, you know, hold up as a um, a, v- a virtuous exactly. example of faith, <laughs> but it's hard not to for that song to be resonating in my head. Yes, yes, uh, George Michael has done a number on, on us all. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, so we got our gratuitous well. <laughs> pop culture reference, slightly inappropriate, I guess, pop culture reference out of the way. Let's just put that behind. There's still us. time. There, there's still time for more. <laughs> But yeah, we're talking about faith, the good kind of faith today. Um, yes. Kind of an important biblical subject. Faith. Yeah, biblical. A little, mm-hmm. it, the Bible talks a little about faith, I think, here and there. You have to really try to hard to find it. <laughs> Shows up in at least two pa- places that aren't in the back. <laughs> exactly. So let's go ahead and let's uh, read the essential doctrine and then talk through it as normal from there. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. So here's how we describe faith in the 99 Essential Doctrines. So biblical faith is the resting or trusting in Christ alone for salvation. More than simply being a mental agreement or his- of historical facts, genuine faith begins with a recognition and confession of the truth of the gospel, followed by a receiving of Christ as Lord and Savior of one's life. Biblical faith is not blind faith, for it rests on the historical life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, you'll notice in this in this explanation of our doctrine that we're not talking about the, the generic what is faith here. We're talking about faith in the context of Christianity. Yeah. So... Um, so we'll, we can talk about what faith, what faith in general is in a second, but um, in terms of what this doctrine is about, um, this is a recognition that faith is a deep trust in who Christ is and what he has done to be saved. At the core of the core of the core of what faith is from a Christian perspective, that's what yeah. it is. And we're going we're gonna to look at a couple of passages just in a minute to, as we always do, where do we see this? And again, we were joking, of course, obviously earlier, it's all throughout scripture, but before Mm -hmm. we do, I I just have one of our early caveats, um, that we have to understand faith is used by it with other terms in scripture as well. They're synonyms, um, belief, trust, 
are, are common. So lump those together as we're as we're thinking about this. If you just kind of do a word search for faith in Scripture, it's not going to give you all of the the passages dealing with this. You would have to also add trust and belief and so forth. Um, even obey is used for faith at times. So, uh, I yes. mean, when you start to think about all of its different synonyms, and then there are times where it's it's talked about maybe without even using one of those terms, it is just apparent this is a big, big idea. So let's let's start yeah, looking totally. at a handful of passages of the many um, where we see this. Right. So uh, one of the key ones, and this is uh, this is really the definition of faith. Uh, from a biblical perspective, is Hebrews 11.1, 1, which says, Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. So that's important simply from the perspective that it reminds everybody that everybody has faith in something. In the context of Hebrews, it's faith, it's, it's ultimately faith in God, yeah. in Christ. But uh, that's just one of them. Uh, another that we that we have is Ephesians two eight and nine, which is uh, dealing a dr- dealing specifically with faith's role in salvation and how faith is a requirement um, for salvation. So it says uh, in verse starting in verse eight, for you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves; it is God's gift not from works so that no one can boast. Yeah. And so, so that's just, that's the first, couple. Yeah, we're just kind of layering in. And again, as you said, rightly, we're taking these verses, kind of ripping them out of context, which is never wise to do. But if you looked at these passages in the context, you would see that they, they address more specifically, but just for us to kind of piece them together, you can see we're building this kind of thought that it starts, okay, what is faith? Okay. Faith is required for salvation, which takes us to the next step. Faith. It's not just faith in anyone that saves, it's faith only in Jesus. And we have two passages from John of many, many. And again, the two passages we looked at, it's there as well in the surrounding text. Mm-hmm. But two passages in John that kind of bring this into clearer focus. The one is is from John 1, verses 10 through 13, part of the prologue, where John says, he was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, and there's another synonym, that's the same as faith, trust, belief, obey. He gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. So again, the purpose of Jesus' coming was so that those who would believe in him would be saved. And we see this again in John 3, verses 14 through 18, one of the most commonly known passages even from those outside of the church, 16, of course. Uh, starting in 14, though, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And there's that uh, reference back to the faith required of the ancient Israelites to look at this serpent on a, on a pole to be saved from immediate death, from being bitten by the, the snakes. So that was an act of faith. So Jesus points to the act of faith and says, this is why I'm here. Uh, then it rolls into verse 16, for God so loved the world in this way, he gave his only one, or his one and only one son, 
uh, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only son of God. So again, we see the exclusiveness of Christ here. That's right. So, and as we continue that pattern of moving from, from faith in general to its requirement in the context of salvation to um, the object of faith in Jesus, we also, we also see um, in the, in this, in the scriptures pattern, this, this reminder that it's not just believe in, believe in done, it's believe and keep believing. So it's half, it's, have faith and and have and and act in faith. So our faith is an active one, um, and we see this um, in many places. One of those is, of course, the book of James. But we'll get there in a second. For now, let's take a, a just a quick read on First uh, John four thirteen through sixteen. This is how we know that we remain in Him and He in us. He has given us of His Spirit, and we have seen. And we testify that the Father has sent his Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, there's another one of those synonyms, uh, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. So again, you see all over that faith, 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 and and that act of yeah, and that act of confession. There's something. There's an action behind it. That remaining in love, and again, James is going to talk about this. And we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But one other yeah. passage before we move on is Genesis fifteen six. If you've noticed, all the passages so far have been in New Testament, and we could say, well, wait a minute, is this just a New Testament thing? No, it is all throughout the Old Testament as well. I think the the best one to go to is Genesis 15, 6, the salvation of Abraham, uh, where we read, Abraham believed the Lord, faith, and he, God, credited to him as righteousness. So this would be the salvation experience of Abraham. And we see mm-hmm. how was Abraham saved by faith? It's always been faith. Paul will reference this to prove his point. James references this as well, that sometimes we think that salvation in the Old Testament came through obedience, and in the New Testament, it's by faith. It has always been by faith, consistently. And there are many other Old Testament passages that lift up faith as well, but that's just one, just to kind of give a little bit of balance that this is not, not just a New Testament idea or concept. So let's kind of roll into the cautions. We've, we've started to dabble in these, but any cautions or anything else that we need to understand to help us with this doctrine? Yeah, um, well, one of the first is um, you've probably heard someone make a comment um, about something called blind faith. Um, And Christians get accused of this a lot, actually, that, oh, well, you know, they don't even have reason, they don't have to have reasons to believe anything. Um, It's just, you know, just believe. That's enough. Just believe. Have faith. Have faith in what? Have faith in faith. Um, That's how that, that's how the logic progression goes in that, uh, in that argument. And so there is, now, legitimately, there's a good caution in there against have against just having faith in faith, having a blind faith. Um, 
we should and 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 we in in that we we don't want to be uneducated we don't want to know what our faith we we want to know what our faith says and what we believe we should we should we should work and the bible encourages encourages this as we've talked about about active faith um we should be making it our aim to know more and more deeply to the limits that God has given uh, each of us what uh who and what we have faith in so rather than rather than having um you know even a you know it's just me and my bible or um you know falling into the nonsense of the prosperity gospel that um you know if you believe you will you will experience these things we want to pursue a reasonable faith um but we also have to recognize that reason on its own is not enough yeah and that's really important you know i think many people listening would quickly say of course we we don't advocate a blind faith but i've been in context aaron where there is a what i would call a subculture within Christianity that frowns upon education, um, that believes, all right, I just give me, as you said, just give me the Bible and faith. That's all I need. Um, and that is not wise. Of course we, you know, we should be studying. We should prove ourselves diligent in studying God's word. And there's nothing wrong with higher education and it's not required, but there's nothing wrong with it. So we, we don't want to pursue blind faith as if it's novel, as if it's some kind of better faith. Um, at the same time, you know, as you were saying, reason, uh, that's what I love. I love that our faith is reasonable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we, I, you know, it's so encouraging when I see brilliant people who love Jesus. It's so encouraging. Yeah. And this notion in our culture that smart people have to reject the Bible is just foolishness. So that, that's a good word about blind faith. It's incredibly arrogant yeah. to say things like that. Another caution about this is that the key to faith is not the quality of our faith. It's the object of our faith. Now, the quality matters. Um, you know, we, we, we need to grow in our faith. But sometimes people mistakenly believe that it is the quality. You know, as long as my faith is deep, as long as, as I mean it sincerely, you know, if I'm sincere in it, that's what matters. And that is not the case. The, the object of our faith matters much more. And of course, the object of our faith is Christ Jesus himself. He is what gives our faith reasonableness. He is what gives our faith power. If our faith were in, I don't know, a garbage can for salvation, it would be unreasonable. It would be foolish. As much as we believe that, as sincere as we were in that faith, it is foolish faith. So it's not the quality of the faith that is paramount. It is the object. And so um, I think we have to recognize this, that there are a lot of people with sincere faith in the wrong things. Uh, We need to come alongside and help them, but we also need to safeguard ourselves and make sure that our faith is tethered to the truth. And along with that is, you know, we've, we've touched on this a little bit, but we need to grow in our faith. We all need to do this. And so uh, part of that is also recognizing that um, we don't just have a, you know, a, 
outstanding amount of faith um, that that because of different seasons, different pressures, different things that are going on in our lives that that our faith can can really truly ebb and flow. But discipleship largely is is about growing in our faith and we so we do that through learning, we do that through putting it into practice. What we need is at least as a starting point though is just the tiniest amount of faith. I mean, think about Matthew 17, 20. The faith of a... All it takes is faith the size of a mustard seed to move mountains. Um, so when it comes to salvation, just a small amount of faith is is all that we need. And when it comes to believing that God is going to do whatever is right according to his purposes and for his glory, it doesn't take a much... Uh, it doesn't take much faith. Because uh, as you, you said before, it's it's the object of our faith that matters. Yeah, so that should be an encouragement to a lot of people listening, an encouragement to us as we recognize in our faith is not what it needs to be all the time. Um, but God can do much with little. And, and that's just an encouragement. And again, salvation was the question at the top of the, the episode. You know, all, all we need is that little bit of faith, that little bit of trust. We have to, again, it's the object. We have to believe who Jesus is, what he has done, and so forth. So it can't be just, you know, faith that is is devoid of that understanding of those core aspects of the gospel. But it doesn't have to be a deep, robust faith as we might want. And as we're living, you know, I want a deeper faith. I want a more robust faith. And, and for me, it's a matter of remembering to be patient with myself because God is patient with me. Right. Um, in that, in that it is important to remember too, that, um, what we're like, there's often a, a, people will often confuse a simple faith with a simplistic faith. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we're talking about here is, um, faith itself when it's focused on the right thing is very, very simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be built around this whole idea of, you know, you know, X, Y, Z theological positions and you, you sit in this camp over here or this camp over there or whatever, or you reject both camps and you do your, you make your own camp um, and um, whatever it is on any issue. <laughs> um, this is what, um, this is why. Jesus uses children yeah. as the model and the example of faith. He doesn't point to the religious leaders and he doesn't point to to adults. He says have faith like kids. Yeah, who know what they know what they know. Yeah, and that's, you know, I think think about Jesus being fully God and fully man, for example. I think we need to have that on our radar to some degree as we're having this faith. But will we understand it in its entirety? No, but we can grow to understand it more and our faith expands. And that's why think of that child. The child doesn't think of he. That child is much more prone to say, okay, don't quite get it, but okay, Jesus is fully God, fully mm -hmm. man. It's as that child gets older and starts saying, wait a minute, how does that impact this? That's when the faith can start then growing and getting more robust and more complex to use that word. So... Yeah, it's a it's fitting analogy that Jesus uses the faith of children. I think one other thing to mention as a, a word of caution or just understanding about faith is that we've said this before, faith is active. 
um, it's not passive. It's sometimes we think of faith and love in the same way that it's just this feeling. Uh, it's an internal thing. It's, I have this internal disposition of, of trusting in, in Jesus, and that's it. And, and that's the culmination of faith. Love is I have this feeling, and as long as I have that feeling, that's it. That's the culmination of faith. And neither is true, or that's true for neither of them. Faith, like love, is designed to be active. We express these things. As we said, this is what the book of James is all about. Sometimes people think that James and Paul were kind of in, in an argument in between the book of Romans and James, and that is absurd. They are on the same page. Paul is looking into faith for salvation. He's saying all that you need to be saved is faith. You don't work to get salvation. James is looking at the other side. He's looking at, okay, once you're saved, the way that you know that is that you will live differently. That You, you must live differently. There, there should be evidence. Um, faith leads to action. So they are friends, not foes, and they kind of look at the process from start to, to end in one entirety. Just each one kind of looks at half of it. So James, when you read through James with that lens, that's, that's his argument. That's his thesis. You say you have faith. Let me see your works. Jesus does something similar in Matthew 25 with the, the sheep and the goats. It's interesting because he points to the, the evidence of salvation as works. And so one could say, wait a minute, that seems very Jamesian. <laughs> Where's Paul in this? Where's Jesus? What kind of theologian are you? Don't you know salvation is not by works? Uh, feeding people who are hungry and clothing people are not going to save anybody. Is that what you're saying, Jesus? And that is not. What Jesus is saying there presupposes that faith is undergirding these actions, but that faith will lead to changed living. So Faith is active. And again, we have to be careful to allow ourselves to grow into this. So the person who just trusts in Christ now, his or her life may not look very different now five seconds later, <laughs> to be absurd. It may not look yeah. very much different a day later or even a week later or a month. But if you, if you as a follower of Christ, if your life looks no different now, a year, two years, three years, whatever it may be, looking back, then there's an issue there. What we should be looking for and seeing is slow, consistent growth that allows for periods of ebbs and flows. There will be seasons where we will grow like crazy, and there will be seasons where we're parched. Yes. So it's the longer. I think when you zoom out and say, all right, and the longer... Is God working the, the fruit of the Spirit in my life? Do I see more patience? Do I see more kindness and love? Um, as I zoom out, do I find myself wanting to read Scripture more? Do I find myself wanting to pray more? Are my prayers more meaningful? As I zoom out, am, am I looking for ways to serve others? Um, you know, am I caring for others practically? It's that zooming out that I think is really important as we consider how active is our faith. Most definitely. And and community is another key part of that as well. Uh, because let's be honest, we're not the best gauges of no, we're what we're really like. So we need other people who can speak into our lives and say, this is what I see in you. This is how I see God at work. And and that's huge. Yeah, that's a good word. Um, so let, let's let, take, right. take that down to the, our final question then, the difference this doctrine should make. And I'll do the first, the easy layup. 
there could be no salvation without faith. So there's that. <laughs> there is that. Uh, I mean, it's as simple yeah. as that. It's you either have faith or you don't have salvation. Exactly. So that, that kind of makes a, a <laughs> little bit of a difference in, Jesus. in our lives. Mm-hmm. What about you? What else, Aaron? Is there another way that this makes a difference? Well, yeah. I mean, faith, uh, it's it's going to sound like a platitude, but it's true. <laughs> faith, faith is what makes all the difference, man. I mean, it is the key to what the Bible calls abundant living, which is not, you know, rolling in dollar dollar bills. <laughs> Or, uh, or anything like that. It is a reminder, though, that salvation is not fire insurance. So it changes our lives today. It changes our purpose today. It gives us a mission to follow, and it gives us hope for tomorrow. So remember, Hebrews 11, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. So that is that plays into this idea of abundant living. Think about those things that I said. It changes how we live today. Well, we have faith in Jesus right now. We know that we are saved, even if we don't always feel like it. Um, we have a purpose because of Jesus. And we have hope because of Jesus. And so faith is the fuel that drives us to live, um, to pursue a godly life, and to serve Christ until we get to meet him. Good word. So what does it mean that when you said rolling in dollar bills, I immediately thought of Scrooge McDuck? So, You know, um, about the same thing that I did. <laughs> so there, there's, uh, there's our second cultural reference. We'll end on that cultural reference for the day. It's a better one than the first. Um, uh, is it, though? Uh, I mean, come is on. It, it's it's DuckTales. A greedy duck? Yeah, DuckTales, though. Come on. Uh, that's fine. And they, they, right. I like how they talk. All right, let's let's wrap it up there before we get in trouble. I want to thank you for listening to today's episode of this podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.